Hello. Welcome. We are the intern ministers at Community Church of New York in Manhattan. We are Unitarian Universalists in the process of becoming ordained clergy. In this podcast, we delve into the life of an intern minister. We explore the ways our lives and internships intersect and how this is ministerial formation. I'm Megan Henry. I'm Carrie McAvoy. And we're... And we're... Revving up! (laughs) Welcome back to Revving Up. Today, Megan has a date with her husband, so she is not here. And this is a great time to introduce our first guest here on Revving Up. Welcome, Virtus LeVar Robinson. He is a fellow seminarian, and I will let him introduce himself. Okay, yes. Hello, everyone. Um, uh, As Carrie said, my name is Virtus LeVar Robinson. Um, I go by he, him, or they pronouns. And uh, I am uh, hopefully a last year student um, at Meadville Lombard Theological School with Carrie and Megan, who I adore so much, both of them. Um, And uh, currently I am serving as a ministerial intern at the Unitarian Church of Montpelier in Vermont. So um, so I'm, I'm up in central Vermont, uh, Canada. I can see Canada from my house. I really can't, but <laughs> there's mountains in the way. Yeah, there are mountains in Vermont, which is really, really cool. But, um, and I come to a seminary by way of having a multiple different careers before, including being a professor of history and African-American studies at a community college and um, you, you can look up my, my resume on Facebook or LinkedIn or something, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here and glad to be a guest on this podcast show, vodcast. It's, um, I've been a, a fan for a while now, since the beginning, so. Thanks, Virtus. Uh, so we're so glad that you're here listening and watching to this podcast. Um, you can always email us. This is a community conversation. Our email address is podcast at ccny.org. And there's also our Facebook group, Revving Up. Um, you can access that from where you're accessing this podcast. There will be details on how to join the Facebook group. And we are also looking forward to the live event in December. So you'll be getting more information about that as these uh, episodes go on. So um, I think one of what one thing that our listeners like to hear about is why we thought being a minister was a good idea. So I'd love to hear your call story, Virtus, if you're comfortable (laughs) sharing. Sure, I feel very comfortable. I have have to get used to it, right? Well, um, I grew up in a Holiness Pentecostal church in Western New York, in Rochester. My, my father was a minister. My mother was a deaconess um, in the church. So they're, they're church leaders and they helped found this 
this church. They founded it in a storefront in the 60s and then purchased a, a big church when um, there goes the neighborhood. Black people start moving in the neighborhood and there was white flight. So they took over one of the German Lutheran churches or something like that in the 70s. Um, and then I came along and I'm not gonna tell you my whole life story, but um, I became a, a holiness Pentecostal preacher um, in my 20s. And then um, started realizing about my sexuality and also some of the, the teachings um, I did not quite agree with, especially those regarding what women should wear and not wear and things of that nature. So that as well as um, what I was dealing with inside. So um, I left the ministry and I left the church and one um, organization or one denomination that welcomed all of me and affirmed me was the Unitarian Universalist Church. So um, I became a, a professor and lay preacher. I was on the committee on ministry, um, all of that because you needed a lot of credentials in order to become a Unitarian Universalist minister with, um, while with the Holiness Pentecostal, the African-American Holiness Pentecostal, you just needed a call and have that affirmed. Um, and that's all you needed. Um, you didn't even need to be literate, really. Um, and so um, it was very, very different. And I said, after four degrees, I am not gonna get another one. <laughs> I'm, I'm good where I am, I have a good job. But that calling was still there from my Holiness Pentecostal days. Just because I was no longer in a Holiness Pentecostal church, didn't mean that my ministry was no longer there, it still was. And so after all these years now, you know, the, the, the Red Sea has parted <laughs> and then, you know, came in and then I met Carrie and I met Megan and some of our all other seminarians and then COVID hit, <laughs> it's like, like, why now? Um, not why not five years ago or ten years ago, but there there's a there's a reason for all of this, and I'm growing so much. So that's a little bit of my call story. I know now more than ever before that I'm called to parish ministry. So um, definitely parish ministry. So yeah. Thanks for sharing your story. That um, those those calls they do just kind of stay below the surface and then all of a sudden for me it was like yelling at me and pushing me like go <laughs> I'm like ah, okay <laughs> be like I'm not worthy I'm not, I'm not willing. worthy I'm what not am I doing you. yeah 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 it's, it's definitely it's definitely it's it's for the pay though you know absolutely I've heard that absolutely. it pays extremely well <laughs> and the job security job security right right and you know, you know, you just have to come on Sundays, right? That's it. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Yeah. No. Thank goodness for internships because wow. Okay. Dive right in, right? <laughs> yeah, what is it? Preacher, pastor, plumber, uh, a lot of other P jobs that fall on a, on a minister for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So one of the things um, that you and I thought might be interesting to our listeners and viewers has to do with 
just how our experiences have been. Um, you in the in your location in Vermont, and um, you know my listener, our listeners have heard a lot about Megan's and not my experience here in New York City. So I'd love to um, just kind of talk about how um, how our experiences might be different. So anything come to mind right off? Well, I mean, location, 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 right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I would love to be in New York City right now. <laughs> Maybe not a year ago. <laughs> when, when you started your internship. And here I am, I'm in Vermont, which has the now the highest vaccination rate as well as the lowest um, you know, rate of infections and um, death. I think in the country, it, it, at least it's the one of the 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 top ones. But um, one of the reasons um, for that is how vigilant, uh, you know, vigilant. I think that's the word, vigilant they were um, at masking, at keeping distant, and um, and um, and also, you know, the population per capita is not that large. So I'm in Montpelier. And Montpelier, if you don't know, is the capital of Vermont. I didn't know that. <laughs> I know, you know, just like some people think that New York City is the capital of New York. I'm just like, oh, no, it's not. <laughs> That's easy to get wrong. But Montpelier and Montpelier has about 7000 people. I've never been in a city or even a town that small. <laughs> And, um, and this congregation, the Unitarian Church of Montpelier has one of the largest congregations in the city, which is really interesting. That is interesting. So how does that compare to um, where you are? So um, our congregation's community church has about 150 members right now. And um, it used to be one of the larger congregations in the whole denomination. It used to have upwards of a thousand people. Uh, so it's been um, there's a lot of change over the past few decades. And now we are uh, right in Manhattan, um, like within walking distance of Grand Central. It's wow. almost on the same block as the Empire State Building. So very, very urban. Um, in the largest city in the in the country, so it's very <laughs> different. Like uh, it's so different than than your experience um, as far as location, right? And um, I am taking a class on sensory rich worship right now, and they talk mm -hmm. about how um, bringing in art and music and dance, and we have all of these resources available to us just because of location, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and so, so we have about 250 and, um, you know, 250 and then there's about 150 more who are our friends who are not, you know, formal men, uh, members of the church. So it's a large congregation um, for this area. Um, unfortunately, or because we are we are in Vermont, and Vermont is I don't want to you know put a put a um, my judgment on it by say unfortunately, these are just the facts. <laughs> Let me just put it. These are the the facts that it's 
um, largely, largely um, predominantly white. Um, Vermont is predominantly white. I think it was at maybe in the 90s, it was like 94, 92, 94% white. Um, African-American is about like 1.2% or something like that. And it's noticeable. It really is noticeable. And you see that in the congregation as well. The congregation is actually doing quite well, you know, having a little bit more than, than um, you know, as a representation of the state. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I'm a person of color, obviously. Um, but, you know, if you can't see me, then it's not obvious. I am African-American. Um, and, um, and the minister, the Reverend Joan Javier Duvall is Filipino American. Um, and so it's really interesting to have the two leadership um, position or you know ministerial um, leadership um, are people of color in a predominantly white congregation in a predominantly white state. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of our, our um, sermons, a lot of the topics deal with, um, with anti-racism remarkably. You would think that it wouldn't be an issue here if it's all white and a few black people. No, it's here, it's here. And also not being as diverse. Um, you may, some people may say, well, um, I'm not racist or I don't have a racist bone in my body and I don't have any, I don't have you know, people of color who are friends or any, I don't know any. So how do you really you mm-hmm. know, know there? Um, so it's, it, I mean, so, so there's a lot of, um, of work to be done around, um, around acknowledging white privilege, which is abundant here, um, as well uh, as um, what the, 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 um, the BIPOC population of the state, they're here. <laughs> they are here and, um, and there's a large history of them being second-class citizens. Um, and even slavery is still on the constitution of Vermont. Oh my goodness. So there's, oh yes, yes. Cool. Oh. So there's some activism about, yeah, it doesn't exist. It hasn't existed since the 18, early 1800s, but it's still there. Right. And that's, that's saying something, yeah. you know? So there's a whole question, a big, a big movement and it's gonna be part of the electoral process, I think next year, wow. of which our congregation is gonna get involved in that actually, so. That's amazing. Yeah, so community church has, I think about 30% people of color in the membership and has, um, the church has a rich, rich history of anti-racism, anti-oppression, peace work, um, as in P-E-A-C-E work. And, um, but uh, I think the congregation still has a lot of, uh, a lot of work to do in anti-racism. We're uh, just starting the conversation about adopting the eighth principle uh, in our congregation. And um, the, the emphasis on the congregation has just been in other areas up until this point. So now that we've got Reverend Peggy Clark in our third year, um, and we've made some changes that will help us focus more on 
um, the work that the congregation wants to do to align with their mission, um, we're able to do that work. But where we are physically located is in a very wealthy area in Manhattan. Um, and there's a huge disparity in, econ in economics within the city. Like there are homeless people who come in uh, before service looking for food. And um, yeah, so we're here we are here. The church is on Park Avenue and um, it's, we still have work to do. Yeah. Um... And um, and currently, uh, in fact, after after um, I'm I'm through speaking with you all, um, there is a um, a, a rally. Um, at, at be, the good thing about being here is that this is the capital, and so there's a state house and there's a big state house lawn, and it's in like um, walking distance um, to the church. You can see it from the church and vice versa. And, um, and there's a rally um, about um, some of the homeless provisions during COVID. Um, and they were putting a lot of them in hotels and keeping them there um, because the shelters were, um, were not as adequate, you know, during COVID to, mm -hmm. to, to keep from the spread of, of um, the disease. So, but now it's running up. And um, they've delayed it, but um, but it seems like um, there's there's a movement to to stop the program and then then to just release people on their own, and so and not to continue it. So we are going to join them and 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 rallying for for keeping that program going and not you know um, abandoning you know our um, our our mission. Um, and as well as our principles. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, th those are similar um, issues that, that, um, that, that we both have faced, especially during COVID. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so um, also I know that uh, we, uh, Megan and I have been talking a lot about chaplain training CPE this season. And I know that um, because of COVID, um, a lot of people, a lot of seminarians have been kind of piecing together their own CPE programs. Um, and I know that you work with your congregation, right? To do your chaplain training. And I think this is a great opportunity to talk about how pastoral chaplaincy can be different than hospital chaplaincy. So I'd, I'd be interested to hear your, um, your ideas around that. Yeah. Um... Well, yeah, so I, I spent the time in, you know, for CPE, we have to do like 300 hours of, of contact or on-call, mostly contact um, hours, and then an hour, and a hundred, like 100 hours in a classroom um, setting. Um, so you can imagine with, you know, about 300 or so um, people in the, in the congregation, be like, oh, that would be a breeze to get those contact hours and no, not so much, <laughs> especially you, you congregations, um, you know, and, and certain settings, they, they, they call on the minister for almost everything. Um, they call on the minister for, you know, I need you to pray for me because of this, because of that. I'm going to the hospital. Um, I don't know what to do. And they rely on the minister for that. And a lot of our congregations, they really don't. 
um, unless they're in crisis or you know they have created a relationship um, with the minister for pastoral care. Um, and you know, um, and so that was really difficult because some people, if they, you know, had some type of a crisis or what or whatnot, a lot of people had their own therapist. So they were just like, I'm just gonna go to my therapist. And and the the, the interesting thing is that when I did do uh, some pastoral care cause, um, and I'm finishing up now, I had to take an extension because I couldn't get a lot during the summer. Um, but it's happening now. Like we're still going through COVID. Help! Um, I need to talk to someone about this. Okay, I'm the, I'm a good person to talk to about this because I'm going through it too. Um, the the um, so some people would, would would talk to me like, yeah, I'm, I have a appointment with my therapist after this. So it was so with me. So with with their therapist, they're they're going th um, through um, some solutions and and things like that, but. Um, when it came down to, to this, it was more of the spiritual practices. It was more of, you know, um, it was more, it was, it was really, it was more religious based than, you know, I need some tools to help me through um, life because some, some of them are already getting that. Um, and I can imagine that in, um, you know, a hospital setting, it'll be mostly the same thing. However, when you can have a rotation, there are people who are always there and people who are always in need to talk or pray for or pray with or, you know, um, and, and, for, and for a congregation, um, you mostly got people who lived alone, um, who didn't have a spouse or family um, and, um, and we're seeking some type of con connection with someone um, because of COVID and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. So it was very, very different um, in, in the sense that I was not always on call. I was not, I, it wasn't a set amount of hours. It could be randomly that, okay, this just happened. This person just got a diagnosis and you get called right away and or that you hear from a rumor mill <laughs> from someone else that you know i think you might want to give this person a call it was it was more of that than you know than constantly i can just go you know room to room that i mean i couldn't go from house to house because that'll be solicitation so <laughs> you know so it was a little bit more difficult to, mm -hmm. to get those hours but the one thing that I'm so glad I did it, even though it was like, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna get enough hours, was the fact that during COVID, and I'm sure that you can attest to this, um, you know, we were virtual most of the time. So, you know, I may have interactions during coffee hour with some people. If I see people randomly, sometimes with masks, I have no idea if they're congregants or not. And it was just like the, 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 the ministerial intern just passed me, didn't say anything. I'm like, I'm, you know, it's hard, especially when people don't have their cameras on on Zoom. So um, this gave me an opportunity to like really get to know a lot of congregants that I may have only chatted with in the chat on Zoom or, you know, you know, 
waved to, or they waved to me in a grocery store and said, yay, hi, you know, that type of thing, or I've only seen their names. Mm-hmm. So that gave me an opportunity to, to, um, to really get to know the uh, more people in the congregation that I didn't have during COVID when we were virtual most of the yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like some of the differences are um, you may have um, worked with them in crisis, but not necessarily. Um, and there's, I think, certainly there's always a, an atmosphere of trust that needs to be set to be there in any chaplain um, situation, but in a hospital setting, it's that, that trust is like either right there or not. Like there were people who were, were like, nope, don't want to talk. Um, but w- it, when you're doing it in a congregational setting, it seems like it's way more um, continuing the, the layers of trust that have already been established. Um, and it's interesting that you brought up um, therapy versus chaplaincy versus, you know, so what are your, what do you think of some of the distinguishing aspects of, of that in your experience? Yeah, well, I'm not a psychologist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I don't have that, that training. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I wish I did so I can, you know, that type of thing. Um, and, you know, If there are, you know, the one thing that we can do is, um, you know, how a a doctor has a specialist and they say, I'm going to refer you to the specialist. We can do that. We can absolutely do that. Um, Whereas um, I think in in a hospital setting, um, it's more your 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 role is is more um, defined because the, all the, the, the medical doctors there, the psychologists are there that, you know, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. they, they know your role, but right. with the congregant, they may not know mm-hmm. your boundaries. Right. Um, especially right. If, if, if you are their minister for years or even two years as an intern and they wanna see you every month at every yeah. other, you know, I'm just like, no, <laughs> this is not how this works. Um, and and you can still do the like the 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 the, the three rule, and it's like okay, after three sessions, if 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 this still persists, you know, maybe we can seek some alternatives and alternative people for you to talk to. So you know that's there. That's there. That. Um, but the therapy part is so essential to understand. Um, and also because it's easy to, to get into um, that of, of your role becoming a therapist, but for forgetting that you're also the minister. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, yeah, we can talk about, you know, relationships and things like that, but also let's bring it into a spiritual setting. Um, and talk about some practices. Just talk about how is this impacting your relationship with the the, the church community, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and and always bring it back <laughs> to, you know, your you know your your own training, your training as a minister. I wasn't trained to be a therapist or a psychologist or to psychoanalyze anyone. Or their depression or any i mean the to rate their depression i i'm not trained in that not trained in that but i can offer spiritual care 
and you know grounding and um, and suggest practices, things of that nature. So, yeah, that reminds me of um, the pastoral care class that uh, where a lot of it was what's the Rolodex you have? And yeah, I mean we don't have Rolodexes anymore, but it's ministers are called on to refer to all different kinds of places, um, therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists, um, shelters, shelters, um, food pantries, um, gosh, anything you can think of, congressmen. Um. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like legal aid. Legal you know, aid, yeah, 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 housing aid. Um, yeah, because I yeah. have I because I have a um a little studio apartment here and I can't house people, you know it's just me and the cats, you know and mm -hmm. this is all the room for, mm -hmm. um but have that we can have that rolodex, yeah, um and yeah. refer them to the people who are specialists right. in these areas, right. and so I think that that's a that's one key difference between being um you know doing pastoral care. Mm -hmm. And you know, being the fix, right. which we we are not the fixers. We're not the fix. No, we just have <laughs> we more were, questions. I can't. Like someone had you know, contacted me and was just like, "Yeah, do pastoral care so you can take care of me." And I was like, mm -mm. Mm -mm. <laughs> "No, no, no! I, I am not going to take care of you. I like I I already have a, a, some fur babies that I'm taking care of and a beta fish, and <laughs> you know that's all they're taking care of." But I can be, and I can let you know that we care mm -hmm. um, and how to care for yourself, right. give you some suggestions and be that listening, active listening ear. Um, that is the care, you yeah. know, and refer you to who can really fix right. some of the issues because, yeah. you know, I can, I'm, I'm, I can, I can fix a toilet. <laughs> a little bit and you know in the lobby there but there's comes a time when it's going to go beyond <laughs> my little skill set yeah. and i'm gonna have to call the plumber in yeah yeah so you know and charge it to the church but you know yeah no no <laughs> <laughs> yeah thanks that's that's really useful uh, a useful perspective for sure um so one more question before we go. Um, what is something that you would love to tell our audience? Oh. Um, well, like you, like you are, we are also um, in deliberation um, of the eighth principle. I mean, we, the reason why I say deliberation is because we could have easily call to vote and say, let's do this because it's the right thing to do. But we're in deliberation to really understand if we are to adopt this, what is going to be expected of us? And it's that accountability part of it. So understanding that and can we live with this? Can we actually be accountable for this before we say, yep, let's just do it. So um, it seems like you're on that road as well. And we would love to have partners in that, in that, you know, I can see us doing some, some pulpit swapping, you know, you're on Zoom a little bit and we're on Zoom a little bit. We can come visit New York, you can come visit Vermont. <laughs> let's, let's set that up, I think it'll be wonderful. We're gonna be doing our congregational vote probably in February. So it'd be great 
to yeah. to um to join in with all of you and to um you know visit some of our our um, siblings that'd be <laughs> that'd be great yeah awesome well thank you Virtus, so much for being here uh it's been a joy to have you here um and to the listeners and watchers thank you for being with us being part of our community if you want to reach out to us please just email us at podcast at ccny.org join the facebook group and look for details about the, this live event that's happening in december thanks a lot mm -hmm.